Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Nights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long nights. On today's episode of the Obsidian Nights podcast, where we go through A Song of Ice and Fire chapter by chapter, I am joined by Acta. Acta, would you like to let the people know where they can find you and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I will put a, a Twitter link, um, send you a Twitter link. I've also, I'm a, I'm a narrative designer, which is a a way of a fancy way of saying writer in the game industry so Ooh. i actually have a game that i will i will link as well it's a game i spent a couple of years on that i released uh last year that's awesome um, yeah I'll, I'll link those two so like you make games like video games? yeah i i make i make narrative based games they're not really heavy on gameplay they're they're more of uh you know stories but they, the game i'll link you is it's a game about um axolotls and uh mental illness so yeah, oh that's awesome it's pretty wild i i played the uh game of thrones telltale game a little bit on my twitch and that's like a storytelling kind of game yeah yeah definitely really similar to that what was that by the way um, it was cool it was cool it's a little slow it's a, it's a little slow like it so you're basically you're playing um after the red wedding so the first couple episodes are really interesting like when you're when you're at the red wedding and you're trying to get away and you're like the perspective of a guy like in in a tent outside of the twins so it's interesting and it's like decision based so whatever your decisions you make like affects the outcome and I just make terrible decisions apparently (laughs) apparently my decision making skills aren't good I've, it's cool. It's I've heard mixed things about it. Like some people say they like it. Some people say they didn't really care for it. So, the episodes, the episodes are kind of long. That's my only, my only. Bought complaint. it, but never, never actually got around to playing it. So I probably have to do that one of these days. Yeah, definitely. So you were saying, um, before we started recording, that you've met George. Yeah, it's it's a. I met him very very briefly. Um. So I'll, I'll really quick give my uh, history in A Song of Ice and Fire. So I got into the books uh, when I was like 15 or 16, mm-hmm. um, around the time when Feast came out. Uh-huh. And um, and I'm, I'm like 29 now, so that's like half my life pretty much that I've been obsessed with the books. <laughs> um, and and when, um, when, I, when I was around 18, George announced that, oh, you know, HBO is making a, a show based off these books. And I was super stoked. I'm like, heck yeah, I can't wait for that. So um, before that happened, um, uh, HBO decided to do like a promotion leading up to the show where they're like, oh, we're going to we're going to go around L.A. and we're going to put these like food trucks based off of Game of Thrones. And each day it's going to be a different meal based off of a different house. So it's like, you know, trout for uh, Tully and, you know, it was like lemon cakes and, every, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I went to those um, and it was like. It was like it was like a week leading up to um, to the to the premiere, and I went to all of those except for the very last one. 
and because the last one was like a little bit further away and I'm like I've been to this like four or five days this week uh-huh. it was pretty cool and on on the very last day the day before the premiere I think it was um or maybe it was a couple days from the premiere regardless it was the last day they had the food trucks George was actually there um handing out meals oh <laughs> so my I missed, goodness so I missed him and I was I was super bummed uh so the so the next year um when a dance with dragons came out or it was maybe it was it was around then uh, a couple months later or something like that after the first season aired and a dance with dragons aired mm-hmm. uh dance with dragons came out was he was doing a signing in la and i was like determined i'm like i'm gonna go there and i'm gonna get his signature so went there um you actually had to buy a book um to get it signed by him mm-hmm. and the books that they were giving out it was like it was like the newly minted, like, um, you know, a song of ice and fire based off, you know, there's like now a hit HBO show and it had uh, Sean Bean on the cover of the books and everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't want him to sign that book that I bought for the signing because you had to buy the book in order to get it signed. I wanted him to sign my old battered copy of a Game of Thrones that I read a million times that had like a grape juice stain on it. And it was like ripped. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, I, I waited in line. I remember talking with somebody in line about like patch face or something. Mm-hmm. That's that's my one memory. It was, it was like 10 years ago. And then when um, it was it was and, it, you know, as we got closer to the line, it was like it was like a well oiled machine. You know, it was like his assistants were like opening the books. He was signing them. He was quickly saying, hey, and then, it, you know, moving on to the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I, when he got to my book, he actually stopped the line. Like he like legit stopped the line. And because my book was way different than everybody else's like, you know. Uh, everybody else's books was was like new by the by HBO and my book was like really raggedy and and he he looked at me and he's like this is really cool I could see you've read this a lot like this is this is awesome like this is this is what I like <laughs> to see you know yeah this is this is definitely a rarity and and I was like yeah battle scars or something like that. I said something really cheesy I think like battle scars or something <laughs> <laughs> but no that's awesome like I don't know I've never met George and if I met him, I'd probably free. I'd probably faint. Like I almost fainted when I met um, Nick uh, Nicolaj Costa Waldo, the Amy. the guy that plays Jamie. Yeah, I was about to faint when I met him. <laughs> <laughs> I, so so I was he signed your. Really did he sign your grape juice? Yeah, <laughs> and and this is this actually I've I've reread it several times since. It's actually the copy I'm going to be referring to for the podcast today. Awesome. So yeah. Yeah, that's you got the signature right now. <laughs> that's oh, my dog's barking. <laughs> that like that is an awesome story, and I also like the food truck. Like, if we could have a Game of Thrones themed food truck in Baltimore, I'd be at there every day, like getting lemon cakes and uh, bowls of brown all the time. Bowls of brown <laughs> <laughs> all the time. So today we're gonna be covering Catelyn Eight. And I think this is a very interesting chapter. It's not that much to it. Like when I was rereading it for like the 17th time. So it's interesting when you're actually reading it and taking notes as you read it for a podcast that there are things that I appreciated that I didn't appreciate, like that I hadn't appreciated before, especially when it comes to Catelyn. I'm a known Catelyn Stark hater. (laughs) <laughs> and I actually really like the stuff she put down in this chapter. Yeah, I I really like this chapter. I think there's like a bunch of little moments that are just really, really nice. Yes. 
So the chapter opens up. It says, I was too far to make out the banners clearly, but even through the drifting or it was too far to make out the banners clearly, but even through the drifting fog, she could see that they were white with the dark smudge in the center that could only be the dire wolf of Stark gray upon its icy field. When she saw it with her own eyes, Catelyn reined up her horse and bowed her head in thanks. The gods were good. She was not too late. They await our coming, my lady, Sir Manderley said, as my lord father swore they would. Let us not keep them waiting any longer, sir. Sir Brendan Tully put his spurs to his horse and trotted briskly toward the banners. Catelyn rode beside him. So Catelyn and Sir Brendan Tully and the Manderleys are all meeting with Rob at Moat Caelan. So Rob's army is kind of stationed at Moat Caelan right now. Um, the Manderleys. I want to talk about them for a second. I love House Manderley. I love Wyman Manderley. I love his loyalty to the Starks. Um, I love his savage, his like straight up savagery. I love that. Um, me too. And it's one of the biggest houses that it's. I would say it's one of the staunchest supporters of House Stark is the Manderleys. Well, absolutely. From beginning his- to end. The Davos chapters are some of my favorite in dance, for sure. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, um, Sir Manderley's, or Sir Manderley, Lord Manderley's sons, Sir Willis and Wendell, are with Lady Catelyn. And this is like, so Lady Catelyn is returning from Lysa, from the Vale. And she's coming down. She's going to see Rob. She hasn't seen Rob. She hasn't seen her kids, any of her kids in a long time. So Catelyn Stark, I always give her shit about like, she gives Rob bad advice. She undermines Rob. Um, all the all the usual shit people say about Catelyn. But I have to admit, like in this chapter, she really shows that she has a political mind and not only that like i know me and ara from direwolf city we always joke a lot about catelyn leaving rick on and and bran and like rob being her favorite kid but the reason that catelyn actually stays with rob is because catelyn wants to go to the riverlands to see her dad who's dying yeah absolutely and you know she wants to she also wants to keep her firstborn safe yeah yeah, for sure. I actually really like um, uh, when, you know, when, when they actually enter Rob's presence, uh, Catelyn notices that Grey Wind, you know, sees her first. And she, she's always, she loves uh, the dire wolves. I, I, that's like one of the things that, that I really love about Catelyn is that she's, she's like very much like, you know, camp dire wolf, like keep the dire wolves near you all the time. And yes, yes. Well, she's, she's seen what they can do because they saved Bran and, that's one thing like Rob doesn't really listen to her about is like any man Grey Wind doesn't want around you. I don't want around you because Grey Wind like hate, like when they go to the red wedding, Grey Wind is like freaking out on the phrase, like snarling at them and stuff. And it's interesting that he never picks up on Theon. I think even Grey Wind didn't see that coming, that betrayal coming from Theon. Yeah, I mean, even even Theon didn't didn't see it coming until he was forced to. He didn't want to betray betray yeah. Rob and clash at the beginning, but yeah, that's you know. a good 
that's a good point. Um, r- real quick before we get into like the conversation between Rob and Catelyn, I wanted to talk about Moat Kalen itself. It is a ragtag ramshackle <laughs> ca- like castle. It is. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> it is like when she's describing it, I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> like, geez. And when George made the books, he said he wanted you know the castles to be their own characters, and I I absolutely felt that with with Moat Kaylin. Like, I I love how it's you know it uh there's there's a quote that says like you know they're ghosts they're a northern ghosts that uh slay southern you know that that still hunger for southern blood or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it it does say that. And she also talks about like the legend behind it that's attached to Moat Kaelin about the children of the forest calling down the hammer of the waters from Moat Kaelin, which is kind of like debated. I won't say debated, but it's like contradicted because that's one story we have is that they do it at Moat Kaelin. And then another story is that they do it at the God's Eye. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh- but um, the God's Eye or or Heron Hall reminds me a lot of Moat Kaelin. Yeah, they're they're both kind of ghostly, like ruinous places. Yeah, cursed places. Yes, they are, and like like you were saying, the the castles are their own characters, and I love that. Like I like I love when she's like riding up and just describing all the different towers, and I'm like, ooh, it's so. I, don't I think know. I think one of the the more vivid chapters in in Game of Thrones actually in terms of scenery. Yeah, definitely from the scenery and then when she's describing like the neck the bogs of the neck and yeah, like yeah. The, the lizard lion infested moats I'm just like okay. Wouldn't surprise me if later on in the series um like at the end of Winds or something uh, there's there's like some big you know um, <laughs> battle against the other because Mokalen is essentially the choke point of of the north and uh, yes. you know I could I could see them even fighting fighting the others if if they come from the north south. From I there. mean I definitely think that the others are going to get past Winterfell. I feel I like do, it, yeah I do too. I feel like they're I feel like they're going to actually get into the Riverlands. I feel like that dream that Danny has where she's riding to the trident on Drogon and then she sees the usurper's host dressed in armored in ice. I think that's where it's going to go down on the Ooh. trident. I was like, every war ever fought in Westeros has taken place in the Riverlands. This should be no exception. Yeah, should, definitely. This should be no exception. So I'd love to see a battle at Moat Kaelin and see Moat Kaelin fall. I mean, it's already like it's already fallen. Like to be honest, because Sir Brendan Tully, when he sees, he said, "Gods have mercy. This is Moat Kalen. It's no more than a." And Catelyn finishes it. Death trap. True, <laughs> true. Like it's a really raggedy, but I love that about. Although, her. although they do also say it's tougher than it seems. Like it, it looks initially like kind of whatever but it it can you know you can you can fortify it you can have you can put men on the on the the ramparts and and it's never fallen before like it's never fallen before and no one's ever got past the neck got past mo kaylin up the causeway and past mo kaylin never one yet yeah yet (laughs) now that doesn't mean if you're coming from the north they never had to protect it from the north so if you're coming from the north like the others would be, 
I don't how 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 uh, protected is it? I mean, probably probably just instantly fall in that case. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's never had to be. It's never been put to the test that way. I guess, as far as we know. As far as we know, I have I have no doubt that Mo Kalen's going to be an important part of the, the last two books. Well, I want to see it because I think and I think Howlin Reed's going to be a, a, an important part, and he's around in that area. So, yeah, <laughs> Castle. Yes, somewhere is Greywater Watch around there. <laughs> um, so. Catelyn comes in and she sees Rob and he's surrounded by like all the lords of the north and she notices like oh my god like he's got hair on his he's got a beard now and all this and one oh go ahead just saying he's all grown up yeah he's all grown up he's not a boy anymore even though he's still her boy um but gray wind like sniffs her hand and greets her and she's like saying that he looks like edmir to her when edmir was a boy um so one of the things that i really liked was that the northern lords take no time when it comes to politics like they're not playing about right politics. down to business. They're right down to business. And they ask her, is it true you have the imp? I think it's Roose Bolton that asks her if she has Tyrion. And she's like, you know, well, I did. Uh, I did have him, yet I don't have him anymore. And she basically says, because of her sister, like out loud. And that that isn't something that Catelyn would do. No, normally, I don't think. Like, I don't think that's anyone, anything any Southern lady would do is like bash their sister. And I also feel like she kind of shows her hand that her sister and her are, are on the outs and that they won't be getting any help from the Knights of the Vale. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there's even a part in the chapter later where she's like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm, why don't I take a little little Robert Aaron with with me? And then Lysa's like, she threatens to throw her sister at the moon door or something. Yeah, Lysa's such, such a crazy bitch. Like Lysa is a nut job. Um, and I, I I can never like Lysa because if Lysa had joined with Rob, the war would have been over. Like it would have been over. The Walder Frey would have had to like lower his gates had he had the veil soldiers with him when he wanted to cross that stupid bridge and i hadn't even had, considered that it's interesting yeah instead yeah. he had to pay the trolls fee to cross yeah. the bridge uh, i can't stand walter frey such a i mean who can anyway true, true. <laughs> anyway um she asks all them to leave because she wants to talk to rob by herself which Rob in front of his lords, in front of his bannerman, is a different Rob than when he's with Catelyn by himself, and they can speak candidly. It's it's the same as when he's with just him and Bran, like when they're at Winterfell, and Rob is one way when with the lords, but when it, it's at night and Rob comes into Bran's room and talks to him, he's more candid and 
more vulnerable. And he's like that with Catelyn in a way, but also I feel like not as much as he is with Bran. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I could see that, definitely. It seems, you know, I mean, the Northerners aren't really used to the politics that you, you see in the, you know, the South, so... And certainly not used to like calling bannermen. So it's definitely a different environment. So it's like, what is, what is, I don't know, what, what feels natural is like probably changing for both of them. I mean, for, for everyone and for her, I feel like she brings up a good point to Rob, like, um, why did you have to be come down here with this army? Why couldn't you have put someone else in command because you're just 15 and these are men that have been to war. They're seasoned in battle. Like you were just fighting with wooden swords less than a year. Yeah, ago. I find that really sweet. It's she, the whole, the whole chapter is full of like Catelyn kind of being sweet towards, <laughs> towards Rob, like in mm-hmm. her head. Um, and you know, she, she, she also isn't like, she, you know, she, she doesn't ever tell him, she doesn't want to make him weak in, in front of his men. So she understands that it's like, he has to, he, he's kind of like forced in that position. Yes. To, especially now. Yeah. Especially now. And, and he is like, I know Maester Lewin tried to counsel him on that. Like, and, and Bran talked about that, like putting somebody else in charge. And it's like, you know, you really can't do that because if you are, you can't send off men to war and then say you're not going. Like Wyman Manderley is an old fat guy. The way or, the North works. Yeah. Like yeah. Wyman Manderley sends his two sons in his place, but he has stakes in this battle because he sends both of his sons. If Rob just sent an army with like no, no Stark at the head of it, how would that look? Yeah. And, and Wyman Manderley does not, does not blame uh, Rob uh, for the cause of you know even even if it was like sort of Rob's you know it's like not really Rob's fault but it's like Rob spurred on Walder Frey wed wedding the red wedding and everything it's in and, and that's why you know Wyman Manderley's kids die um, he doesn't even blame Rob he's he's like yeah, yeah my you know my lord of Winterfell yeah and and another aspect of this chapter that I really like is um, you can see that Rob doesn't really understand his like his position I guess because Rob right now is acting Lord of Winterfell he's he's riding to war but at the same time he's like I know he said ashamed are you are you sending me back to Winterfell <laughs> so like he still thinks uh, like his mom can send him back to Winterfell yeah cute yeah it's this is a very heartwarm heartwarming conversation between Rob and Catelyn. And and you see throughout the chapter that Rob is he's definitely like at odds with himself. He's he doesn't really know whether he, you know, he's he's like, what should I do? He's he, he it, like when he when he's talking to Catelyn, he's he's kind of a little bit lost. He's he's a heart in conflict as George R. R. Martin likes to write so often. Yes. Uh, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Um, so he tells um, Rob. Rob tells Catelyn about the letter from Sansa. Um, he's like, you know, one came for you too, and like the letter makes Catelyn pissed. And we all talk about like 
Rob's choices. Rob really doesn't have that many choices. Like he has, he has choices to make, but they're like all of them aren't good. Like none of them are. Like he's always between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, he's always between a rock and a hard place. Like even now, um, like he's wrote he wrote to Liza. Liza has not responded, and um, he's like, "Do you think she's gonna join us?" And Catelyn's like, "Only one, but the best one. My my uncle." Brendan um Beefish himself. Yeah. Brendan Blackfish. I love Brendan Blackfish too. Like I really have high hopes that he's gonna do something crazy and wins. Cause he he's he's still alive. It's one of the he's one of the coolest just like side characters in the series, I think. Yeah, he is. I love him. I love him. Like I wish that the show, like I love I love the show. Like I'm not gonna hate on the show, but I wish the show would have gave brendan beef brendan beefish <laughs> that's <laughs> brendan blackfish i'm not talking about jeff brendan blackfish um the same treatment that they gave Bron, where they made Bron like this character that is no like has so much more screen time than he actually does just give brendan beefish uh, why do i keep saying brendan beefish just give the <laughs> blackfish just give the blackfish his regular time that he had in the books. Like, just give him that. Well, at least, you know, I, I feel like uh, Brendan Blackfish is very similar to Corley's Valerion. So, you know, when House of the Dragon comes out. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel like they're they're definitely like similar characters. So. Well, I can't like I can't wait for House of the Dragon yeah. <laughs> like that. I can't wait for to see that in all of its glory on the screen. Um, Catelyn notices that Rob is afraid. Like, she's like, what are you afraid of, Rob? She asked gently. I, he turned his head away to hide the first tear. If we march, even if we win, the Lannisters hold Sansa and father. They'll kill them, won't they? They want us to think so. You mean they're lying? I do not know, Rob. What I do know is that you have no choice. If you go to King's Landing and swear fealty, you will never be allowed to leave. If you turn your tail and retreat to Winterfell, your lords will lose all respect for you. Some may even go over to the Lannisters. Then the queen with the then the queen with that much less to fear can do as she likes with her prisoners. Our best hope, our only true hope is that you can defeat the foe in the field. If you should chance to take Lord Tywin or or the Kingslayer captive, why then a trade might very well be possible. But that is not the heart of it. So long as you have power enough that they must fear you, Ned and your sister should be safe. Cersei is wise enough to know that she may need them to make her peace should the fighting go against her. This is so sad because they have no idea that it's not really Cersei that's in control. <laughs> it's her demonic son. Like... <laughs> Joffrey Cersei has no intention to kill Ned Stark but Joffrey she can't control Joffrey Joffrey's gonna do what he wants yeah sad too um because Ned wanted to you know he the the whole reason he tells Cersei is because he doesn't he doesn't want uh Joffrey to die yeah um yeah so the whole the whole thing just when you when you reread it just like layers and layers of, of just like it just seems sadder each time. Yeah. And Catelyn basically says, if you lose, we all die. 
like we all die remember yeah. Rhaegar's children if you lose we all die and he's like then I will not lose <laughs> which is so it's so sweet so he tells her like everything that's going on in the Riverlands like the war has begun Sir Jamie Lannister has like beat back the Tully forces um they're headed towards River Run. Tywin is coming with an even larger army from the south. Uh, they talk about the army that ambushed Beric Dondarrion. Um, like it, it, it it's wor- it's worse than what Catelyn had thought it was going to be. Yeah, it, it's like she says, grim and grimmer. <laughs> it's worse than she'd imagine. And then they talk about what moves to make as far as then going forward, like, do they stay there at Moat Caitlin or do they go south? Like, what do they do? And I think it's interesting because she, she says, I, I hear him talk. I hear him talk and I hear his, his bannerman. So like, she, she knows that He's been meeting with his bannerman about this day and night, and he's actually been listening to it. So he says, I've sent word to Howland Reed, father's old friend at Greywater Watch. If the Lannisters come up the neck, the Cranning men will bleed them every step of the way. But Galbert Glover says Lord Tywin is too smart for that, and Roose Bolton agrees. He'll stay close to the Trident, they believe, taking the castles of the River Lords one by one until River Run stands alone. We need to march south to meet him. And Catelyn very, like, very much so rightfully (laughs) is scared because her 15-year-old boy is about to face Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Like, is there a worse foe in Westeros? I think think in this, though, Rob was, you know, absolutely right. Oh, yeah. Like, he's so smart. He's so smart for... A it comes to battles child yeah. when it comes to battle and not only in this chapter but throughout the books he proves like he time is and time again yeah yeah he's the he's real never deal. defeated never defeated never defeated um so great john umber is like you know we should take the battle to lord tywin and surprise him and and rob's like yeah i don't take him as a man that's gonna be surprised <laughs> like um, and Catelyn basically is like, you named yourself Battle Commander Command. And he's kind of like startled by that. And he's like, as you say. And then she says, so what are we going to do? And Rob puts the map across the table and he makes his decisions. Like he makes his decisions on his own. And it's a good decision. It, it basically yeah. leads to the capture of Jamie Lannister. Absolutely. And that's, that's uh, you know, much uh, the one of the most valuable pieces on the field, probably second most valuable piece actually in the field, aside from Tywin. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. And, and that's one of the things I have against Catelyn is when she freed Jamie, but that's not this chapter. It's not this chapter, so I won't get into it. But um, Catelyn basically tells him, you know, you know, there's a river between two parts of your army and between Jamie and Lord Tywin. And, um, or, or, or Rob says, and between Jamie and Lord Tywin. So 
basically he's like, you know, but Walter Frey is your father's bannerman. And she's kind of like, yeah, but my father has never trusted him, nor should you. And he says, like, right off he, the bat, trust <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, I won't. But then they wind up trusting him when they have the red wedding. Mm. Yeah. But I, you know, they, he could, it, it could have, even when they meet Walder in this book, right? He could have slayed them right then and there. True. Yeah. He could have, but he did have a whole army behind him. Yeah. And they weren't drunk at a wedding feast. That is true. That is actually <laughs> very true. So he says, she says, your father is not fearless. Catelyn pointed out. He is brave, but that is very different. Her son considered that for a moment. The Eastern host will be all that stands between Lord Tywin and Winterfell, he said thoughtfully. Well, them and whatever few bowmen I leave here at the moat. So I don't want someone fearless, do I? No. You want cold cunning. I should think not courage. Roose Bolton, Rob said at once. That man scares me. Then let us pray he will scare Tywin Lannister as well man scares me too he scares me too but i also like love that rob picks up that vibe that he's he's yeah. a scary dude um it, you you've said i think on the podcast that you've um you've read fever dream before yeah yeah i feel i feel like Roose bolton is almost exactly like the villain from fever dream like they get they have really similar vibes Ooh, i never thought of that that's a good point do you think do you think George uh, met Bruce Bolton after him? I think so. Yeah, he. <laughs> I, I've read most of his stuff, and it seems like he reuses, you know, some character archetypes here and there. Have you so. heard the bolt on bolt on theory? I have. Yeah, I don't believe it personally, <laughs> but I that is that's not even where where the um where the where the the uh, Harrison comes from for me. I think just it's just like you know he he's described as like having cold eyes and um i forgot was what was the name of the villains i think it was it, was, it wasn't julian he was the good vampire uh, whatever the the bad vampire's name was he's also described as having like cold listless eyes you know not really was it joshua are you talking joshua, about joshua joshua yeah okay i get all kinds of um i get all kinds of vampirish demonish frankensteinish vibes from Bruce Bolton like the whole skin flaying thing yeah and the, the leeches. Whole, like the quiet voice lady sansa like that i can't stand Bruce Bolton and then like even his sigil like the um the pink the pink uh sigil with the flayed flayed guy flayed. on it i'm just like could it there be a grosser sigil? <laughs> Could there be a grosser a, a grosser sigil? Yeah, definitely one of the scariest, maybe, maybe even the scariest person in Westeros. <laughs> so he he says he's going to leave Roose Bolton at Moat Kalen. Um he says, I'll give the commands and assemble an escort to take you home to Winterfell. Catelyn had fought to keep herself strong for Ned's sake and for his stubborn, brave son of theirs. She had put despair and fear aside as if they were garments she did not choose to wear. But now she saw that she had donned them after all. 
I am not going to Winterfell, she heard herself say, surprised at the sudden rush of tears that blurred her vision. My father may be dying behind the walls of River Run. My brother is surrounded by foes. I must go to them. So that's what I was talking about. That's how the chapter ends. But that's what I was talking about earlier when I was saying that she doesn't go just because she solely wants to be with Rob. Like her brother's been taken and she wants to see her dying father. Yeah, there's a multitude of reasons. And I, I definitely agree with you. I think, I, you know, I, if I do the same exact thing yeah. in, in that position. So. But I also agree with you. There is a, like an aspect to it that she wants to keep her son alive. Yeah. And from the, that, I think mainly that, I think that's because she, 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 she's practical. She knows her father is probably going to die like any day or any, any month or whatever. But yeah, I, I think especially after like she sat and talked with him and seen that he does really need her. Yeah. Like that private conversation, let her know that he needs her because she basically had to force him to make decisions. And, and when the conversation starts, he's basically like, so are you sending me home mommy? (laughs) Like, so he needs her (laughs) definitely needs her. So that is Catlin eight. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, yeah, looking at my notes, there's one thing. Um, earlier in the chapter, actually, when before before everybody leaves the room, before um, it's just Catelyn and, and Rob, uh, she mentions that that um, Winterfell is in the hands of Sir Roderick, and uh, mm-hmm. Roose Bolton is there just listening, and so is so is Theon. So, yeah, and that little that's gonna come back around for sure. Uh, they because... they know that Winterfell is a little bit uh, vulnerable. Yeah, and it, it's like. Did they have it? Like, I know Theon didn't, wasn't set on betraying Rob. Like, like you said, Theon didn't even know he was going to betray Rob. But I wonder if Roose Bolton was plotting the whole time. Like, he, to me, seems like a very ambitious man. And in the Most people, people in the Seven Kingdoms are opportunists, so. Yeah. And, but I don't know, but I definitely feel like the whole thing, like, the chapter I did, the last brand chapter I did on um, like where all the armies were gathering in Winterfell, um, the guest that I had on had talked about how like the Boltons, the Serwins, and the Manderleys already didn't really get along, like pre-Grand Northern Conspiracy type of things, because like they were asking for dams and lands and like a Kerwin, a, a, a Bolton guy had stabbed a Kerwin guy in Winterfell. I don't even remember that. So there were already like some seeds of people not getting along prior to them ever riding to the war. I I think it was the Hornwoods. It was the Hornwoods, the Serwins. It wasn't the Manderleys. It was the Hornwoods, the Serwins, and the Boltons. If I'm remembering that correctly, it was brand six that I'm thinking about, but basically it was like some pre Grand Northern conspiracy type of shit going down. Interesting. Every time you read this book, every time there's something else. Oh yeah. I love it. So (laughs) I'm still, I, you know, I started these books like 15 years ago. I'm still rereading them, still getting, gaining new things. So yeah, it's it's amazing. It's the gift that keeps giving. 
So yeah, that is Catlin 8, and we're going to be signing off. I want to thank you so much for coming. Also, thank you for telling us that story about George, meeting George. That's, I love, I love shit like that. And please, you're welcome. And please send me your links and I'll put them in the description box. And everyone else, I will see you guys next week.